Cause from you are all things And to you are all things You deserve the glory Well, amen. Well, just turn to somebody next to you and just declare a blessing over them. Tell them they're blessed. Amen. You may have a seat. Hallelujah. Well, you probably realized that uh, at this point in the service that Pastor John's not here and want you to pray for him. Uh, kind of a tough week last week with a couple funerals, and, uh, but he just wants to get away, get refreshed, and get a word for this season we're coming into, which is an important season. And just pray that uh, the Lord strengthen him, speak to him, and he just really uh, has a word uh, when he comes back in a series to present to us. A little bit about me. If you don't know me, this may be your first time here. My name is Mike Ulmer. I'm an associate pastor. been here for almost 25 years, 16 of that as a youth pastor and the rest as associate pastor. But my uh, background is raised Lutheran in a little town. Uh, my wife is Catholic. We got married in a Catholic church, went to Catholic church a while, got saved under a Baptist ministry, um, ended up speaking to about every type of church there was uh, around, involved in a, a ministry called Sports World Ministries. I mean, spoken Foursquare, Methodist, you, you name it. And so I'm familiar with all the different denominations and realize that even today, uh, there's a lot of different denominations represented here as far as maybe your church background. Uh, there's also, uh, we're all different places in our walk. But I just kind of thinking about this denomination of walls, and there was a man that was walking across the bridge one day, and he saw a guy getting ready to jump off the bridge. And he kind of looks at him, he realizes the guy's trying to commit suicide, he yells at him, he said, don't do it. And the guy yells back, he said, well, why shouldn't I? He said, well, there's so much to live for. He said, well, like what? He said, well, are you religious or atheist? He said, well, I'm religious. He said, well, I am too. He said, well, are you, are you uh, Christian or are you Jewish? He said, well, I'm Christian. He said, well, I am too. He said, well, are you Catholic or Protestant? He said, Protestant. He said, well, me too. He said, are you Episcopalian or Baptist? He said, well, I'm Baptist. He said, well, I am too. He said, are you Baptist Church of God or Baptist Church of the Lord? He said, well, I'm Baptist Church of God. He said, well, are you the original Baptist Church of God or the Reformed Baptist Church of God? He said, well, I'm Reformed Baptist Church of God. He said, well, man, I am too. He said, are you Reformed Baptist Church of God of the eight Reformation of 1879 or the Baptist Church of God of the Reformation of 1915? He said, well, the Baptist Church of God, Reformation of 1915. He looked at him, he said, die, heretic scum, and pushed him off the bridge. But, but it's kind of silly, but kind of crazy how we let denominational walls come up, and we fight about 1% of the things we don't disagree on. When I'm telling you, if you believe Jesus Christ is Lord, the only way to heaven, I'm telling you, that's a lot to agree on. I'm going to talk to you today. Well, first of all, last night somebody called and reminded me that I forgot to chop off some devil's heads, so we better do that today. Anybody got a Bible? we we'll shake them, make the bookstores glad and the devil mad. Let's chop off some devil's heads. Na, 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 slice and dice. Na, na. If you believe this word has power, then repeat after me. This Bible has the power to change my life, to change my city. I can do what this Bible says I can do. I'll be a history maker and a world shaker. This Bible's a truth detector, a sin deflector, a faith inflator. I'm going to read it now. I'm going to read it later. If you believe that, give Jesus a shout and an amen. Amen. I'm going to talk to you a message entitled, A Breaker Anointing. A Breaker Anointing. In other words, what does it take for heaven to come and invade earth? As it says in Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven? Is there sickness in heaven? Is there poverty and oppression in heaven? And so we want to see heaven come and break through. And it takes a breaker anointing. As a matter of fact, one of God's names is breaker. I mean, one of them is, I mean, he's healer, he's deliverer, but one of them is breaker. You know, there's a man that died that went to heaven and was standing there to get in, and the angel was kind of, uh, kind of giving him a quiz to see if he could come in or not. And one of the questions was, what's God's name? And the guy looked at him, and without a hesitation, he said, his name's Andy. And the angel's like, Andy? Well, how do you get Andy? Well, we sang it in church. Andy walks with me, Andy. You got it, all right? Talks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking about a breaker anointing, Jill Austin, who wrote a book, this is her definition of a breaker anointing. A breaker anointing is a catalytic deposit of the Holy Spirit where eternity breaks into the natural realm. It is a holy invasion where the gates of heaven are opened. I'm telling you, this type of anointing will break through every obstacle that hinders the gospel. It'll shake every, loose every shackle that holds individuals and churches back from walking in their God-given destiny and potential. And so why am I studying this right now? Why am I sharing this today? And this is how it came about. Uh, family and I were able to take a vacation last week and uh, just really enjoyed ourselves. So I got to take my wife back to the ocean where she was born and, and grew up down in Florida. And so she was happy and, you know, everybody else is happy then. And, but I enjoy just going to the ocean and those things. It's a great time. But on the way back, I was playing some of my music on my phone or Bluetooth on the, in the car on the radio. And I realized that I had some prophecies that I'd put on my phone that were on cassettes that... It's these little things like this. You know, a cassette, never remember those? You know, we just put them in boxes and put them on our shoulder, boom, 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 walk around. I could see you with a real big one right back there. What about this, Jack? No? Too young for that. Eight tracks, anybody? All right. There you go. Pretty soon some of you kids are going, these were DVDs. We used to play those. But I was listening to them, and one, first of all, there was a prophecy that we got Oh, man, I bet it was 15 years ago, maybe 20. It was five or six years before we got the house. And it was a prophetic word about the Lord wanting to give us a house. And it was a description of the house that was just to a T. I mean, we'd have a, a house with storage and a fence and a yard and a pool and all these things. But, you know, we went through several rent houses before that. But that word was something we could fight with and say, okay, even though our finances are terrible, Lord, you said this, and, and against all odds, I mean, God gave us a house. But that house didn't have a pool. And, you know, we, and matter of fact, I needed that word because the house we were going to buy right before we bought it burnt. And we're saying, now what? I had to get back to the Lord. And he, I felt him impress him. This is the house. And so we fought, went back, and it turned out to be a great blessing. And even when the pool came, I find out what pool prices cost. I thought, well, that's out of the picture. But me and the Lord started a business called Alpha and Omega Pools, the first and the last pool I'll ever build. And, but it turned out to be great. Me and him did it. I mean, it was really, um, it was amazing. But I began to think, and there was a prophetic word in that same, same person, same time about powerhouse, so we built it too small, that there needed to be a wing added on. And we've been talking about that this last year, so be praying that uh, that happens and that ministry explodes. But there were some other ones. There was one prophetic word I got that says, you have a breaker anointing, a breaker anointing. And it said it several times. And I begin to think of these words that, uh, okay, this house came to pass, but why didn't some of these others come to pass? And I begin to think about it. What's the one I wanted most? I mean, we wanted that house. It was one of those things. And I begin to think, man, I really fought for that and really worked for that. But how hard did I really work 
or go after these other prophecies. So I said, I'm going to find out about this breaker anointing. So that's kind of, sometimes you just got to redig the old whales and, and kind of get things stirred up. But when, you, when I researched, first of all, these are some names. Uh, I've listened to a person by the name of Keith Miller, uh, read things by Michael Christie, Bill Burns. But when you go in the Bible, you'll find this scripture that comes up when you look at breaker, breaker. It's Micah 2.13. The one who breaks open will come up before them. They will break out, pass through the gate, go out by it. Their king will pass before them with the Lord at their head. This verse in Micah is prophesying about the breaker anointing that rests on Jesus. And the Lord of the breakthrough wants to break through for his people. On our behalf, he wants to break through. He wants to give his people victory over things that hold them in bondage. God wants to pass through the gate of victory and go out by it. And the Lord of hosts wants to come and bring us out of confinement in areas that the enemy's kind of confined us in and wants to bring us out. Now, that anointing that's on Jesus is told in Luke 4, 18. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. To preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. He's anointed me to preach the gospel. He's anointed you to preach the gospel. Is there any believers in here? The Bible says believers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Believers will tread on serpents and scorpions and over all power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall harm them. That's for believers. And when I talk about the anointing, that's basically the tangible presence of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's just kind of that tangible presence. In Isaiah 10, 27, it says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder, his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Now, John 12, 1 through 7 has the account of Mary who is anointing Jesus as, a, as anointing him for his burial before he went to the cross. And she anoints him with a costly oil of spikenard. And that spikenard means having the power of persuading or producing belief or faith. So that anointing can can produce that gift of faith in our life. There's a gift of faith that it talks about in 1 Corinthians 12. That gift's available, and it comes through that anointing. And I'm praying at the end of this service, when our altar team comes up here, an altar team, get ready to just stir yourself. Be, it's not based on what you've done or haven't done this week. I mean, it's based on what he's done. And he wants to come and just flow through us with that anointing and break yokes and remove burdens. And that's what I'm believing for today. Now, the purpose of these personal... Well, first of all, that oil of spikenard, right then, it doesn't necessarily represent death. It represents resurrection power. It represents victory. And that purpose of personal victory is to deliberate God's people so we can be used in the battle for the soul of America. America, we're in a battle right now. And I tell you, we're in perilous times, and God is preparing warriors to wage war in the heavenlies against the thrones that Satan's established over the, you know, with powers and principalities over the land. And the battle is at hand. The people of God are time to rise up, take the victory, and when the anointing of the breaker is upon us, we can be assured victory. It's, it's assured. Take it to the bank. And listen, this is very prophetic, and it's not anything new when I say America is at a crossroads. You realize that. But this part, very, very important for us as Christians, we're either at a turning point or a vanishing point. Think about that. I mean, it's either a turning point right now or just we're just, as a church, as Christians, we're just going to fade off into the darkness. 
I mean, what is the enemy? The, the media is trying to silence us. The government's trying to silence us. The enemy is trying to silence us and say, shut up. You can't say that here or there. And he is just like pushing us back in a corner. It's like we're cattle being herded through a gate. And we're just saying, you get in your little corner, Christian, and you keep your mouth shut. And it's like we're going through this gate, and it's like the enemy wants to just shut this gate totally. And some of you feel like it's already closing. Let me ask you this. Is it time to seek the Lord? I'm telling you, it's time like never before to seek the Lord. And we've got to seek Him while we can find Him. And if promises, if we seek Him, we'll find Him. Matter of fact, in Malachi 3.11, it said, And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly, say suddenly, come to His temple. I'm telling you, church, get ready for some suddenlies. Get ready for some suddenlies in our lives. God wants to show up and show off. But we have to press in. We have to press into prayer. We have to press into the word. We have to press into praise and worship. We have to press into the things of the kingdom of God. We have to press into the anointing. We have to press into the power of the Holy Spirit. And when the anointing comes, I'm telling you, things happen. Matter of fact, when the anointing came upon Cyrus in Isaiah 45, powerful things happened. Isaiah 45. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held, to subdue nations before him and loose the armor of kings, to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not shut. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break pieces the, bar, the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. I will give you treasures of darkness and hidden riches in secret places. Are there crooked places in your life that need straightened? The anointing will straighten those paths. Are there seemingly insurmountable obstacles that prevent you from accomplishing that which God has called you to do? I'm telling you, God will break through and smash and break those gates of bronze. You know, are, there, are you feeling imprisoned by uh, these bars of iron where it seems like you can't break out? God will cut those iron according to his word. And get ready because you know what else happens? It says he will give us the treasures of darkness and the hidden riches in secret places. Am I getting ahead of some of you today? Uh, maybe I'm just running off ahead here. Let me just back up. Are you saved and filled with the Holy Spirit? And if you aren't, maybe now is the time to do it. When I say, are you saved, are you 100% sure if you die, you'd go to heaven? It's a choice you have to make. The price was paid, but you have to invite him into your life. I mean, if you're not saved, if you're not sure, you could hold up your hand right now. I'm not going to ask you to come forth. But I'm going to, because what you're doing is you're not voting for me or joining our church. You're saying, God, I give you permission to come into my life. If you don't have a relationship, you've gotten off track, don't know where you spend eternity, hold your hand up right now, and we'll say a prayer for you right where you're at. And you can know where you spend eternity. Somebody did last night. I see your hand. Anybody else? You need, I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hand. I mean, it's, it's this simple. Your hand. Anybody else? You just need to get right. I see your hand. You need to get right with God. Amen. Well, why don't we just all say this prayer together? Okay, just repeat it. And it was just, it's not so much the prayer, but when you say this prayer, you're giving God permission to come into your life. Just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross. For me, I give you permission to come into my life to change me. I repent. I turn from my ways and I turn to you. And I thank you today. My name is written in a book in heaven. And I know where I'm going to spend eternity. In Jesus' name. Amen. Man, that's worth giving Jesus a hand clap. Amen. You know, at the end of the service, I do want you to come up and go over to the cross. We've got some information for you. 
But have you been baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit? And have your prayer language. I'm going to do this one real quick. And matter of fact, I'm going to ask it backwards. And so if you have received the baptism, they had that experience and have your prayer life. Real quickly, hold your hand up and put it back down if you've received it. Okay. Maybe you weren't able to do that. And see, so you might feel like oh, I'm trying to set you up. See, there was this kind of, this pastor was preaching one Sunday and this guy came in and he knew he had been drunk the night before. He could still smell it on him that morning. And the guy sat in the back and, and as the pastor was preaching, the guy fell asleep and he was sitting back there sleeping and, you know, hung over. And the pastor's thinking, I'm going to get even with this guy. And he, first of all, the guy fell asleep because it was a long and boring message, which didn't help any. But anyhow, which I hope it's not. But at the end, he said, I'm going to get even. At the end of the message, he just in a very nice voice says, all those who want their place in heaven, please stand to your feet. And everybody stood up, of course, wanting to go to heaven. And they sat back down. And everybody but that guy, he was still sleeping. And so then he goes, okay, everybody who wants their place in hell, then he said real loud, stand to your feet. And the guy shook his head and stood up. And he looks around, he's the only one standing. And he says, Pastor, I don't know what you're voting for, but anyhow, it looks like it's just you and me. So anyhow, so I'm not trying to set you up there. But we do need to kind of be challenged. And you know what I'm talking about? There's two gifts that are available that God has for you. The gift of salvation that many of us receive and some receive today. It's a gift. They didn't have to earn it. You can't get right to get God. You've got to get God to get right. But now there's this gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's a gift of power to be a witness. Along with it, you can get a new prayer language, and a, a new way to communicate to God. But there's those two gifts that are available. But the prerequisite for either one of those gifts is one word. It's repent. According to the Word of God, Acts 3.19. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That's getting saved and asking the Lord in your life. Acts 2.38. Then Peter said to them, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And to repent, that means you make a 180. You turn around and begin to go the other way. And when I'm talking about, you know, we had a class just this week, and somebody brought up a question. Well, Pastor Mike, your church, you believe in one saved, always saved. And I kind of said, well, uh, I... One thing I do believe in, I believe in not saved, never saved. I mean, if you don't get saved, you're not saved. And I'm not so much question to, you know, leave that whole thing aside for a minute because I have talked to scholars, literally guys in their 70s that have written books this thick on both sides of the thing. And that's the powerful thing about the Scripture. It's got good tension and pulls you both away. But I know this. If you're, have you been saved? That's the biggest question. That's what I question when people ask that. Were you ever saved? Because if you were saved, there ought to be a change in your life. It said be converted. There ought to be a change. And I say that to maybe some of you young people or maybe people that have grown up in church. Maybe you said, well, there might not be that change like there was with the drug addict or somebody. But there ought to be a change from your lifestyle and the lifestyle of the world. But that two things with salvation that you ought to notice. There ought to be a change and you ought to begin to have peace in your life. The wicked have no peace. There ought to be peace. And now what about the Holy Spirit? The Bible says the evidence, the normal evidence of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. That's just the normal evidence according to the Word of God. Now my experience in that, first of all, let me give you a relationship. Kind of I picture the Holy Spirit, at least in my life. When I was without God, when somebody, I mean, I just 
didn't have a relationship. Yeah, I went to church and all that stuff at times. But it's kind of like the Holy Spirit's behind me, following me through life. And when I get close to a cliff, you know, kind of that tap on your shoulder, Mike, don't go there. Don't go there. And maybe sometimes I'd avoid it. But then you get to the place when you continue to do something wrong, what happens? Your conscience gets seared. You don't feel that tapping as much. You don't hear that small voice that says, don't do that. And you can end up in serious trouble. But then there's a time in my life before a professional football game and at a chapel service, and a guy is asking a question just like I asked. He said, if you died, would you go to heaven or hell? Boy, I felt the tapping then. Like, okay, man. And as I'm thinking these things, I'm thinking, well, maybe I can talk my way in. Maybe I do more good than bad. I mean, how do you get? And as I'm thinking them, he's answering the questions. The Holy Spirit's answered them through this guy that I need to have a relationship with God by inviting him into my life. And, and I'm just all these things. And like I'm thinking, man, I ought to be happy because I, I'm playing pro football, got a car, a woman. I mean, there's still something. And he draws a circle on his chest. He said, everybody has a hole in their life, and we call that a God hole. You can try putting whatever you want in there. It'll never satisfy you. The only thing that'll satisfy you is a relationship with God. And I'm going, whoa. And when he asked to raise your hand like some of you did, I raised my hand. And nothing supernatural happened as far as angels showing up or bolts of lightning. But I begin to have a peace in my life I didn't have. I begin to have a sense of destiny and purpose. And so now it's like when I said that prayer, I mean, I turned. I believe there was a time before that where I was going through life and I kind of did one of those quick, oh, God, come into my life, but just continue just to go my way. And I don't think there was a real change. But this time, I mean, I turned around. And I wasn't perfect, but I begin to move toward the cross. And now it's like the Holy Spirit's not behind me, but the Holy Spirit has my hand and is walking with me. Because, yes, when you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. You have to have the Holy Spirit to get saved because it's the Holy Spirit that shows you the need for, the, for a Savior. But now there's another experience that I came across about a year later. And I was in a Bible study where we were talking about the Holy Spirit. And we went through the book of Acts, reading Scripture. And not, the guy leading it didn't really take a side, but he, we read all those Scriptures. And the very last Bible study, this is probably the last time I'd see some of these football players in the USFL. And one guy sitting beside me, named was Danny Bugs, played with the Washington Redskins. And he looked at me, at, this was the last Bible study, and the, the last time I probably ever have, you know, talked to him personally, he looked at me, he said, you're wanting more of God, aren't you? I'm thinking, how did he know this? Because here I'm at in my life, I've got Jesus, I, 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 there's a change in my life, but I have no power. I'm not witnessing to people. The time I tried to witness to my buddy, he said, why should I be like you? You're no different than me. And I really, you know, so I just saw there's got to be more. And I realized, man, this is it. And when he prayed for me, I heard him speak in tongues, and he prayed I'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the tongues didn't really scare me. I mean, but here's what happened. Man, I began to weep cry it was and I really it was a it wasn't a bad cry it was just the presence of the Lord just begin to overwhelm me that I thought man this is it I had one denomination tell me tongues is of the devil I had another one say that oh that's for back with the disciples but I begin to write then right now that scripture came up to me in Luke eleven eleven. if you ask your earthly father for a fish he wouldn't give you a snake if you ask him for an egg he wouldn't give you a scorpion how much more if you ask your heavenly father for the gift of the Holy Spirit would he give it to you so I said, God, this is the more, I need this. I want this. And you know when that guy prayed for me, nothing came out of my mouth? You know why? Because I didn't open it up. And I'll promise you this, if you ask for that gift to receive it, God's not going to come and grab your tongue and make sounds come out of your mouth. And what we're doing is yielding to the Holy Spirit. We're inviting him to come and 
take full control. Like that guy was baptized, he went all the way underwater. We're talking about just going all the way under with the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. And so now I get a picture like this from the Holy Spirit when I'm saved walking beside me. It's like when I get filled, he comes face to face and literally comes and fills me. It's like when you put your hand in a glove. Man, I'm just yielding, and I want the Holy Spirit to come in. And you know, it's not a one-time experience. I mean, maybe receiving your prayer language can be, but when you're talking about every day getting up and, and just say, I want to just be a puppet for you, Lord. Just come. I'll be your little mouthpiece or whatever. And that's a challenge every day. Even in ministry, you can come in here. I can come into the office and forget about all the stuff going outside of the world. I mean, it's a challenge for us every day, but the Holy Spirit wants to come and fill you. And when I talk about being feeling, filled with the Holy Spirit, that's the time where it feels like when I, when I felt the presence of God and began to cry, it's like when God comes and just His presence comes upon you. But now when I talk about the anointing, it's like when God's presence begins to flow out of you. I mean, whether you're preaching and there's an anointing to preach, whether you're at the altar and you're praying for somebody and God moves through you and His power comes out, whether you're just praying for somebody and you realize, man, it's not me praying anymore. I feel this is God praying through me. Or whether you're praying for, uh, against powers and principalities and you feel that, man, there's something coming out of me and I'm standing against the powers of darkness. And that's kind of what I uh, call the anointing in, in just a tangible way that I can describe it. I kind of make the corner here and I want to talk about warfare at the gates. First of all, there is tremendous warfare at the gates of our city. And you know what? The enemy is contesting a move of the supernatural. He is trying to hold back supernatural things from happening in our church and in our city. And a, and a tangible way to express this, sometimes even in a church service, you can kind of feel a ceiling or, or the enemy trying to hold things back and not letting things kind of break loose. And there's a, there's a warfare at the gates. And here we want the breaker to come and the breaker anointing to come and break through the atmosphere so heaven can invade earth. Amen? Anybody want to see that? Well, look back at Micah 2.13 again. Let's just take a few uh, verses at a time. It said, their king shall pass before them. First of all, Jesus is our forerunner. In, Matthew, in, in Hebrews 6, first of all, it says, Jesus already walked through everything you're experiencing. In Hebrews, it says, he's went through every temptation you've gone through. In Mark 4, it says, he's experienced every storm and experience of life. And so Jesus is not asking us to go somewhere he hasn't been to experience something he hasn't experienced. That's why he's called the great shepherd. He's going before us. And then we look again. First of all, a reminder, he's looking for some forerunners. He's looking for some pioneers, young people, old people, some people that'll lead the way. Mark 2, 13 again, it says, having passed through the gates. Gates are symbolic of access, okay? Entrance points, like in the, the city of Jerusalem, they had the gates where people could come in or keep the enemy out. They're seen as a place of authority or a seat of authority as we see in Ruth 4.11 where it says the elder sat at the gates of the city. And so it's a place of authority. Gates can be symbolic of spiritual strongholds, either godly or demonic. Where it says in, Mar in Matthew 16, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Amen? The church to be victorious. And Jesus and his breaker anointing has passed through every gate. He's leading the way, purchasing the victory at every gate, at every stronghold where the enemy tried to erect some stronghold in your life, our ministry, our city. Uh, and even though Jesus has already passed before, with his anointing, we have to position ourselves and take the steps of faith necessary for us to walk out this victory he has for us. And again, Micah 2.13, pass through the gate. Do you remember the story in Judges, Samson? What did he do? He went to those gates 
tore him up, picked him up, put him on his shoulders. Look what it says in Judges 16.2. When the Gazites were told, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him at night at the gate of the city. They were, all, they were quiet all night saying, in the morning when it is daylight, we will kill him. Samson lay low till midnight, then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gate posts, pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Okay, so the Gazites lay in wait for Samson at night at the city, trying to set up a stronghold, attempting to seize the seat or the place of authority, but it said at midnight, Samson arose. And I'm telling you, the Spirit of the Lord is awaiting for us to arise at midnight, at that darkest hour, at that place where the enemy maybe has oppressed us or held us back, at that darkest hour where we're kind of in a spiritual slumber, and God has challenged us to wake up at the hour at midnight, and then to take the gates of the city and put them on our shoulders as Samson did. Okay, gates, first of all, that represents a place of strength and government. Like it says in Isaiah 6, 9, the government shall be upon our shoulder, upon his shoulder. And so Samson took the gates on his shoulder, and it said he took him to a place called Hebron. The definition of Hebron is communion. Follow this. Hebron is a place where God changed Abram's name to Abraham. It's a place of promise where the angels came and gave Abraham a promise about a son. Hebron is a place of fruitfulness where uh, Joshua went to the promised land and showed those great big grapes the size of a basketball uh, to, to show that place of promise. Hebron is a place of new anointing where David was anointed king. And it doesn't matter if we're talking about the gates of the city, the gates of your life, the gates of your career, the gates of your ministry. I'm telling you, the enemy's going to attempt to come at the midnight hour and try to put restrictions on you and limitations to try to hold you back. But I'm telling you, church, if we'll awake at the midnight hour, take hold of the gates that Jesus has already passed through us, for us, that breaker, breaker anointing will manifest on us and through us as it did in Jesus, and we'll be able to carry those gates to a spiritual place called Hebron where your name will be changed, like Abraham. I mean, your name will be changed from defeated to victorious, from barren to fruitful, from, he, from sick to healed. I mean, our name can literally change. But where's it at? It's at the place of communion with the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, the promises that begin to manifest in your life as we press into the Lord. Let me kind of finish the curve here and talk about a new and living way. And I want to, this came up, the church I went to in San Antonio, that where things were really moving and the Lord was dealing with me, and we had Saturday night service and Sunday morning and a Sunday service at 2 o'clock called the Hour of Power that went from 2 to 6 o'clock. I mean, things were happening. And that place, the church was called Living Way. And this is where they got the scripture. It was from this scripture in Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way. Say new and living way. See, a breaker anointing opens, opens up new and living ways. See, first of all, a forerunner or a pioneer, they're the ones that enter new atmospheres. And a lot of times their message won't be received or believed, and it's kind of you know, hard for them to maybe uh, receive what they're communicating. Like in Numbers 13, Joshua and Caleb had this spirit, a different spirit, and they went to the promised land, and they came back with a report that, man, it is amazing over there. Every provision we'd ever need is right there. His promises are yes and amen. It's truthful. But the people in disbelief said, well, there's giants. 
And even in the midst of the disbelief, Caleb stood up and declared, we can take this land. And sometimes you got to stand up, even when nobody else around you believes it, uh, that you got to stand up in faith and declare what the Lord can do. And not just that, first of all, that there is a new way and a possible way. But I'm not just talking about a new way. God doesn't want just something new like, a, like a, a great service or a great event or a great conference. But we're talking about a new and what kind of way? A living way. He's talking about abundant life. He's talking about something you can live out, a power and anointing you can walk in and walk out in your life. That's what he wants to see. And it takes a breaker anointing to be able to break through the spiritual atmosphere so heaven can come and invade earth. And when a breaker anointing uh, occupies an area, then we're talking individuals, churches, social political structures, belief systems, they're revolutionized. And I'm telling you, a breaker anointing has to come if we want to see Texarkana change. We really do. And it can. There'll be transformation in our city if we believe for that. A lady by the name of Maria Woodworth Etter a powerful healing evangelist in the past century. She was such a friend of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I hear about a lot of these people, just the, the relationship, the friendship they have with the Holy Spirit. And I hope we're becoming friends with the Holy Spirit. I mean, you and me becoming more friends with the Holy Spirit and, and realizing the Holy Spirit's a person, wants to walk and move through us. But listen to this. She would have her, her healing ministry and her, for a 50-mile radius, the glory of God would fall. For 50 miles around her meetings, there would be signs, wonders, and miracles. And this is one lady getting in touch with God. What about a whole church? What about a whole city? Just think what that could do. But I want us to expect sudden and quick breakthrough. Like I said, some suddenlies. This is the last scripture, 2 Samuel 5, 20. When David went to Baal Perazim, some might pronounce it Perazim. I say Perazim. Why? Because I like to Perazim. him. Does anybody like to praise him? Let's just parade, say parade him. Parade him. Baal parade him. And it said he defeated the Philistines. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. First of all, the Lord went before him to do it. And then it was like, almost like a dam that breaks loose and a whole lake comes. I'm telling you, that'll change the terrain and change everything. That'll wipe out an enemy, won't it? 2 Samuel 2.22, let's look a little farther. When David inquired of the Lord, what he should do after the first victory, the Lord gave him clear direction saying, uh, don't go up this way, but circle around behind them and come up in front of the mulberry trees and it shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly. When David did so, as the Lord commanded and instructed, he drove back the enemy quite a distance. Now we see in this situation where the manifest wisdom of God is being made known to the powers and principalities. And so there can be a release of wisdom and, and insight. And I, I just quickened her, I didn't mention this, this other service, but part of those prophetic words I have is that I'd be able to go to city blocks and recognize the powers and principalities over them. And my daughter had said something last night at a church she was at when she was in, uh, in Dallas that the guy talked about, is, whose city is this? I mean, we got, this is my city. And where do you live? I mean, is that your city block? Is that your street? I mean, and she just got that rep, man, this is my street. And she went back and there was, I don't know what she said, but there was some business that was not godly business. And she started, she said, wait a minute, this is my street. I don't need that here. And within a month or two, that thing was shut down. But I mean, we've got to recognize our authority and realize this is our city. And begin, and I just make a declaration today, this is our city. And you know, if you have an area, 
uh, this has just been stirring. I'll just throw it out right now. We've got that little truck down there with the bomb on it, and it's got a stage that folds out. I mean, we have gone to different areas of our town, and we can set up a little carnival that'll just happen in a heartbeat and testimonies. If you have an area that you feel the Lord wanting us to go to, your area or something, we'll come and just do some ministry there. Just let us know. But the response, and we'll go there and pray first. But anyhow, let's begin to take back this city, man, one block at a time, amen? But when this happens, first of all, an atmosphere of breakthrough comes, everything intensifies and magnifies. Everything increases because of breakthrough. I'm talking about a new level of ministry, uh, of gifting, of signs, of wonders, of miracles, of healings, of finances, of wisdom, of revelation, of understanding, of destiny in our lives, more fruit for the kingdom, and more impact. And when, you, when we hit that breakthrough individually or as a church, we need to steward it with a humble heart. We need to, with purity and gad, gladness, give all the glory to who? God gets all the glory. And it's not something you command or tell God, I want it here and I want it now and I want it this way. I'm telling you, it's something God will come on his own timing. We can't make it. We can't hype it up. But I'm telling you, the breaker wants to come, and he will. So leaving with this thought, isn't it time for a holy invasion where the gates of heaven are open? I mean, over our families, over our city, over our church. Isn't it time? Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for what you're communicating to us. And I pray we'll rise up, even for some people in this room, it seems like a midnight hour. It seems like they've been confined or held back. But I declare breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough in the name of Jesus, that the church will come forth, that some of us will come out of even poverty into the, into the fullness of poverty spiritually, but poverty even financially will come out and proceed to see the treasures that are hidden for us. Lord, I want to thank you for what you're doing. Matter of fact, I want our, here's how we're going to close. If we'll just hang for about three or four minutes, I want our altar team to come up right now. We're going to begin to worship, and our altar team to worship. And I'm just going to get some oil, anointing oil, and just walk by and just anoint our altar team. And when they're going to believe that when you come for prayer, something will break. There'll be a breakthrough in whatever you're uh, needing. And so let's all stand on our feet. We'll worship. And then we'll kind of open up the altars in just a second. Let the wind blow. Let the glory come down.